the art of living lies in a fine mingling of letting go and holding on. Havelock Ellis. The Walking Dead, Season 1, Episode 5, Wildfire. There are no trigger warnings for this episode, but if at any point during the episode you feel uncomfortable, please feel free to take a break or to skip that part of the episode. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and stay sane. What is up, everyone, and welcome back to Feed Don't Eat Your Brain. I'm Zachary Ballard, and thank you to all those that have listened. Um, Really appreciate you guys. Uh, Today, we have a guest with us. Uh, His name is Kevin Soto. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Howdy, boys. This is Kevin Soto, uh, computer science major and huge fan of Zach. Aw, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen you act, boy. Good old times. Good old times. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. But, uh, no, we met, at, we met at Utah State University Eastern, uh, along with Chris, Mac, and Josh. Uh, Chris, oh, and Alina. And Alina. Um, Olivia did not go there, but so far all my guests have been, I've met down there, but uh, we'll get, we'll definitely get more in the future, but yeah, we, uh, we did a ton of theater together down there, and, um, he's, he's pretty cool, Kevin's a pretty cool guy, you know? Yeah, sometimes, I do cry a lot, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, it's the, it's the theater, right? You, uh, you nurse a bottle of rum chata sometimes, you know? Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's still a joke, oh my god, good times, though. <laughs> good times, good times. All right, so, uh, Kevin, how familiar are you with, uh, Walking Dead? Have you seen it? Was this your first episode? Honestly, I was trying to get into The Walking Dead, but I, uh, I just, well, I, did, I don't know what happened. It's one of those shows where, like, yeah, I'll give it a shot, but it's like 10 seasons ahead, and I already know what's going on, and I got spoiled to it, so, you know, it, it deterred me a bit. Oh, yeah, because we would watch it around while you were around. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, so you kind of already know some of the stuff. Okay, yeah, so, um, so this was, like, your first time watching it after a while, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Luckily, we just started with the first season because yeah. that's where The Walking Dead got huge. So I yeah. know it, yeah. the quality of the script and whatnot or the storytelling is like solid. It's about zombies. And I, you remember Corey, right? He liked the show too, but he said like. No, I I don't remember Corey at all, Kevin. Oh, f- <laughs> <laughs> sorry. That's not <laughs> well. He said something about the lines of like the later seasons is more about the survivalists than the zombies, and mm-hmm. the first seasons are more like the zombies of you know surviving the zombie apocalypse instead of like the after effects or yeah. something like that. Yeah, uh, just so you guys don't know, uh, Corey was our theater teacher down in Price. Huge nerd. I love you though. Yeah, uh, he'll he'll never listen to this. Are you kidding me? Oh, I'll uh, think <laughs> he'll, he'll never listen to this. Um, anyway, so without further ado, let's let's get going. So, as I was watching the episode, I I really noticed that this whole episode is just about grief and the five stages of grief. Did you did you catch that? Oh, yeah. Um, for for starters, I'm going to talk about Dale because uh, when he's trying to console Andrea. And he's he's talking about his dead wife. He like literally lists through the five stages of grief. He was oh, okay. like, uh, yes. he was like, I my wife got cancer, and at first I couldn't accept it. And then he was like, then I was uh, then I got really angry uh, that my wife had cancer. Well, anger was sort of interchanged between bargaining because he was like, I was taking her to every doctor, and then uh, and then after she died, I got really depressed and I couldn't find a purpose until I met you two. And so, like, he literally goes through the five stages of grief in that one monologue. I do remember that, too. Uh, she was just... Well, I was seeing that scene. I think she was consoling the... I, I didn't catch names, but... The, of the twins, I think? Uh-huh. Uh, they're not twins. They're just sisters. Oh, okay. A little bit of twins. Anyways, uh, yeah, I felt like they were just trying to console her because 
I she got bitten and she's dead. So it, yeah. it's a ticking bomb at this point now. So I was feeling the anxiety of that moment too. But now you mentioned of the stages of Riva. Yeah, now I see the theme around it. You're seeing her just in shock because you. It, it was her birthday too. So imagine being for her birthday for the first time in like a long time. And she's dead. And she's dead. And yeah. she's gonna be a zombie. Yeah. And you know it. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But like, I, I just kind of want to go through like where we saw each stage of grief throughout the episode. So first one is denial. Uh, basically, something bad happens to you, or something bad is is happening to you, and you or around you, and you basically can't believe that it happened. And we saw that when when Jim was bit, and he was just trying to like help out the camp, and and it, it was sort of like when when you're sick. It was, like, when you're sick and you're, like... I don't think he was, like, purposely trying to hide the zombie fight because he was scared. I, I genuinely think that he was, like, I'll get this. Like, I'll tell them when we're ready to handle it, but I just want to help out first. Mm. And I, I don't want to I don't want to accept this right now. I don't want to accept this fight. I don't really want to, want to scare everyone right now while we're trying to, like, bury the bodies or burn the bodies. And then, and then like, when everyone's freaking out and it's, like, you're bit, dude. And he was, like... Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Like that was straight denial yeah. of of that trauma that he experienced. You know. Yeah, because at first I thought he was, you know, he just got wounded. I'm like, well, probably he fell or something, or he got hit or something. But once you see the bites, like, oh, you're a zombie now. Like, what's the crew gonna do? Because mm -hmm. they have their own little moral code of not killing human beings. Like, yeah. Well, well, Rick, Rick mentions that because Daryl's about to kill okay. him, right? Right then and there. It's like, let's not take any risks. <laughs> like, we're not, ahead, we're not taking any risks. You're done. <laughs> and then Rick's like, we don't kill living people. And, and Alina did something funny. She she started laughing and she was like, that's going to change really quick. <laughs> but uh, but no, we're in the now right now, okay? Yeah, it, like, Daryl Daryl's about to kill him. And it, it, it's really fascinating how we go from we don't kill living people to we kill some living people to we kill uh, a lot of living people. You know, it's, it's interesting. But then we, we go down to anger. And Daryl is, I, I love Daryl, but I do not like Daryl in this episode. Daryl's really angry and he's just being a huge asshole yeah. the entire episode. He's just going around. Like, I feel like the zombies have already been like hit in the head. Otherwise they wouldn't be standing. They wouldn't be like lying there, but he's like going around hitting them again. And then he's like yelling at everyone. And I really think that he, he was angry about Merle's. Like he was in the stage of anger about Merle being gone, like mm. it's it's pretty safe to assume that Merle's dead. Um, we know he's not, but like it's it's I, I'm pretty sure he he thinks that Merle's dead, and he like yells at them. He's like, "You you left them for dead. This is what you get," you know. And so and so when I when I realized that he was probably going through the anger stage of grief, I felt more sympathy for him. You gotta think on the emotional value because when you're cool headed, then you obviously think more critically. You yeah. actually watch your words, but when you're going through grief, you just want to release that. Oh yeah, that emotion, and well, if it's like denial, then well, you're trying to be as cool as possible, but something is like uh, attacking you. Mm -hmm. With anger, you're releasing your anger, and sometimes you, when you release anger, the filters uh, break, so you mm -hmm. start acting like an animal, basically. Yeah, well, you you once you're once you're, when you're going through that really harsh, hard process, it's so hard to like act within your values, and then we see a lot of bargaining. Oh yeah. Um. You mentioned this before, where Andrew was having uh, regret not spending time with Amy, and uh, and gosh, regret is such a horrible emotion to face. Oh yeah, because you you always look back and it's like you know you know well, 
in when you're going through that first stage of regret, you always wish you could go back and have the knowledge from the future to prevent that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, like it's it just, it's, it's such a powerful emotion and it's so easy to, to just put things off and not deal with them. And then you realize it's too late. And you know, she, she was going to give her that gift, but then she died. And it, it just sucks. And you can see it. Like, I think she's in between bargaining and depression right now. Yeah. Um, and you see a little bit of the anger seeping through when she points the gun at Rick. Yeah, it's like, he just wants to get over it. It's like, she's good. She's a ticket bomb. That's but scary. like, you're like, you, you have to be able to allow people to go through their grief. You know, they, they were worried about the camp because Amy was going to turn any minute. But like, they, I, I feel like they should have just let her deal with it. And she had it under control. Like she was, she was going to kill Amy once she turned, you know, yeah. but she just wanted to see her, I guess, one last time and tell her that she loved her and then, you know, killed her, but she was already dead, you know? And so, um, you just see this, this regret and you, you see her like bargaining when she's saying that, like, uh, if I, if I would have been a better sister, maybe like, you know, I could have watched out for her more. This wouldn't have happened. Or like, I could have just spent more time with her. Just thinking about the past mm -hmm. and just trying, just wishing to go back to the past, which, well, unless, yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. And I believe we both been through those stages. Like we made some mistakes in the past and we always wanted to fix them later. Like, Not me, dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding. Oh, just bye. kidding. I, I definitely have a lot of regrets. Uh, try not to try to make decisions where I don't have regrets, but it's impossible to go through this life without regrets. Yeah. Um, all you can do is like move on from them and just learn from them. Which, yeah. If they well, do, the biggest thing of with regrets is like learning from them. Yeah, and mm -hmm. it sucks. It's a pain. It is a pain. Mm -hmm. But if the situation happens again, you actually have like a, it feels like a second chance, but it isn't. Mm -hmm. And well, well, you get to change and you get to grow. Yeah, you, you know that's life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we we see a bargaining uh, moment when they find out the gym was bit, and Rick, uh, he he's immediately like, okay, what can we do to help him? You know, like, and I I realize that this is the first time Rick has like seen someone bit, and so everyone's like, he's dead. We can't do anything to fix him. But then Rick, like, he hasn't seen anyone bitten before. He's only seen like like humans and zombies before or corpses. Uh, at this point in time. And so he's he's trying to think of ways like, well, we could go to the CDC. And, you know, imagine living in a world where people trust the CDC. Yeah, it, <laughs> I mean, we love the CDC. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just it's just so funny. They go talk to Dr. <laughs> Fauci. Uh, <laughs> no. Like, um, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, but Rick Rick's, like, thinking, he's like, well, there's the CDC. Let's go see if, like, they can help him. Maybe they have a cure. And everyone's like, they don't have a freaking cure. And he's, like, bargaining for Jim because he's never seen this happen before you know where like everyone else has already accepted once you're bit you're dead but except for rick rick is like already bargaining stage like hey let's try to help him you know i, I think because, it's interesting yeah it's because i believe it's because of his leadership uh, leadership persona of no man left behind no matter how badly wounded you are even if you get bit by a zombie like i think he's trying to save as many people as he can but there are situations where you just can't do anything yeah yeah he's just he goes immediately to bargaining uh, when we all know, like, uh, it, he's donezo. Um, but then we also see, we also see bargaining between, between Rick and Shane a lot with, with all the deaths that happened the previous night. And Shane said that, you know, they probably would have still been alive if Rick didn't take half the manpower with him. But then Rick 
rebuttal and was like, well, we brought back guns, so maybe more deaths would have happened, you know? And so they're bargaining these deaths. They're, like, you know, trying to, like, justify, like, what happened and, like, are trying to say, like, well, this wouldn't have happened if, you know, you, if you did this or if this happened differently. And, and I, I'm, we don't, we don't know what would have happened differently. And it's so unhealthy to like, to just be in that mindset of like trying to rewrite the past and trying to like, think of like, well, if this happened, then this wouldn't have happened, you know? Yeah. Which I mean, you don't know. You, mm-hmm. It's, it's every risk you take has a consequence whether you like it or not. So mm-hmm. it's at that point, it's just gambling. Like had they not gone taking the guns and that will have been, powerless basically like yeah mm-hmm. you have this like they had a few guns but not not nearly enough and then and then they come rolling in with like the guns and and it's you know you you, you if something bad or tragic happens you don't know that the choices you made would have helped it or yeah. changed it you know like it's just it's it's not that simple and it's not that kind of dry like and we we have no way to prove you know destiny or whatever or like the sacred timeline or yeah. whatever but it's <laughs> it's uh I, I don't necessarily believe in destiny. Um, I don't believe in pre-written, like, I believe we all have a choice and the choices we make heavily influence where our lives go, but it's, but you don't know that if you made a slightly different choice that it wouldn't have happened, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just so fascinating because, you know, we were constantly trying to, to, um, fix our mistakes, fix, or? fix, fix what's what's wrong that happened to us, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty, well, the the beauty and the curse of regret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we go to, we talked about depression a little bit. The only one I saw for depression was Andrea waiting for Amy to turn because she's just basically catatonic looking at her, you know? She only says a few words to get people off the, her back and then she's just like focused in on her. Sometimes when people are in that screaming stage, the best thing to do is just... Just let them, leave them alone. Yeah, because, sure, they may... When people are sad, you just want to give them company, but when it's... With... with well, well, with grief, you need yeah. to give them space. Yeah. I, and... You, but you could... But then again, you can only leave them alone for so long. Oh, yeah. Like, well, you can't You can't allow them, like... If, if they have been grieving for, like... Uh, let's say, like, three months is a pretty healthy time to let someone grieve. But if like I, I feel like if they continue to to you know continue to be catatonic, depressive, and they're not trying to accept like because death is hard and, yeah. and tragedy is hard to deal with and it is and people have every right to to have the time to grieve and to get over it, you know yeah. but it, again, it's not healthy to continue to not get over your grief and your sadness, you know yeah. you, you gotta you gotta find a time. If someone's not helping themselves, like, you gotta be like, listen, this isn't healthy, like, you, this sucked, your sister died, and I, I do think Andrea bounced back pretty quickly, she just needed to see her wake up, I think that's what the, that's what her motive was there, you know? Yeah, at first I was just confused, like, what if she gets beaten, and it's gonna be chaos, and Mm -hmm. it was just, I was feeling anxious in that scene, but once she slowly tried to wake up, and I feel like there was just a little bit of humanity just to see her because she didn't like attack her aggression. She yeah. was holding on just to see her one last time. Mm-hmm. And I, I can I can also see like why the camp was freaking out because they're like, we gotta freaking time bomb, right? We gotta we gotta shoot her in the head right now, or she's gonna turn, you know. And I I would 
I'd probably be on the side of Daryl. I'd be like, we gotta freaking find a way to do it, dude. Like, yeah. Um, but it's she did it in a super safe way. Like she didn't even got bitch. Just a quick. Yeah, she had it all under control. Which that made me feel comfortable. It's like okay, as mm-hmm. long as people know what they're doing with mm-hmm. their. Decisions. And I think a lot of people do. Most people do know how to grieve and like what their grieving process is. Um, I myself have not had anyone yet close to me die. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very lucky in that sense. Um, but I know it will happen to me cause I have parents and I'm the youngest of six kids. So it's, it's gonna, it's gonna happen eventually. But, uh, I, I do feel like, you know, people know how to grieve and like, you just got to give them, give them enough time, but don't give them like too much time where their grief process becomes very harmful for them and their well-being. Yeah, like, let them grieve alone, but also let them know that they're not alone. Yeah. The yeah, moment sure. they start feeling alone, that's the moment when they are uh, they can go to you and they can release themselves. Like, I believe with the uh, depression part of the grief stage, the healthy step is to let them alone, then mm-hmm. the mix between being alone and with your friends and your loved ones, and then it's with your loved ones, and that's when you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm going to move on with a little bit of help. You know, carry my bags for a little bit, and then you help me carry my bags for a little bit, mm-hmm. and then I can carry the rest of that weight myself. And at yeah. the end, you just you move on. I think mm-hmm. I think that's my uh, healthy process of dealing with grief. Yeah, and like speaking of like acceptance uh, and like dealing with grief, um, I I gotta love Glenn in this moment where they're about to burn like their own people, you know, instead of burying them. And and Glenn's like, you know, it's easier. It's easier to they're in this mindset of we gotta clean up camp and we gotta you know fix this, but like. Glenn's like, no, we gotta, we're not burning our own people. We gotta bury them. And my heart just broke because you just saw, like, like, this is how we grieve for our people. And we're not animals. Like, we need to treat our people, like, civilly. And not saying, like, cremation is bad, but I mean, the, the manner in which they were doing it is they were just, they built a fire and they were just putting the bodies on the fire. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't respectful at all. It wasn't, like, not you even know. like five minutes of you know a minute of silence for this corpse I'm about to burn like not yeah. even a little preach or anything like yeah no it's like we got to clean this up and we got to go and and Glenn really reminded them like no like we we need to take this time to to let them go and process our grief and Glenn's the best out of all of them Glenn just really like that was his like only line in that whole thing one of his only lines and wow. it was probably like that. the best line one of the best lines in that whole thing because he. He just really, like, he allowed people the space to grieve. And I think that's really, really important. Like, you know, things are so hectic and things are so crazy for them. Let's not forget that we're humanity. Like, we're trying to survive, yes. Yeah. But also, let's not forget what our humanity Yeah, like, is. we got to respect the people that have that have passed on, you know, uh, except for Ed. Um, do, do you know? I don't know who Ed is. Was it, was it the guy that was pointing a shotgun at Rick? No, no, that's Shane. Uh, we will talk about that though. Uh, okay. But Shane, uh, no, Ed. So you know the you know the girl Carol. She she Daryl was going around hitting heads, and then Carol was like, "Let me do it." It was my husband, and oh. then she just starts like whacking his head. Yeah. Uh, she went through the grief process like right after <laughs> another. It was like it was like denial when she when she saw Ed was dead. And then the next morning, it was it was anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Like because Ed in, in the previous episodes, um, Ed beat her, and and Shane ended up beating his ass uh, for like slapping her, and uh, 
And so he was like a very abusive like husband. And so uh, she, oh, it's such a complicated like thing because she, she like loved her abusive husband and she, she had like Stockholm syndrome for him. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I need to, I need to do this to my husband because he's my husband. But then all of her anger and her frustration just like, went out on this guy, you know? Yeah, because you're grieving your dead husband at the same time you're relieved because you're free from your captor. And, yeah, and, like, she mentions Ed before, but after that, like, she doesn't really pay him any mind after that. Like, she let go of him pretty quick. Like, she she bashed his head in five times, and and it was really gross, and then she, uh, and then she cried and moved on, and Daryl looked at her like, man, you got issues, lady. <laughs> yeah. <at laughs> and first, she does, though, but... At first, I was scared because I thought she was going to miss the head, too, and I, I thought that was Daryl. That's what Daryl's look was like, you got to be careful. And then she just keeps bashing. It was kind of funny, too, in a little bit. Yeah. And then she's like, damn. Yeah, yeah, it, it was... You just saw all that anger and tension that she had towards him just release. And, you know... You gotta grieve how you gotta grieve, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't blame her one bit for doing that. Uh, yeah. But, uh, and then, okay, I want to bring this up. Jim missed the point on why they were originally going to the CDC. They were going to the CDC for him, and then, like, they were driving, and he's like, I can't make it. And then, I, I don't know, I feel like I'd be kind of upset, because, like, yeah, you're probably gonna die, but we're literally going to the, C- to the CDC to see if they have a cure for you. You know, mm, yeah. and and then he's just like, nah, you guys go ahead. And it's like, no, like you like I, I probably would be like, he's got to come. Like, we're going to the CDC for him. We got to make sure, you know, and like people are like talking about, like, I couldn't live with myself and it's not your choice. But I, I think Jim accepted his death. I think he just didn't want to deal with his emotional emotional turmoil as well as his physical turmoil, because he mentions before and in the comics, like that he, he basically watched his family, like, all die in front of him. And that's how he was able to get away. Like, his family was ripped apart in front of him. That's his entire rough. family. Oh, and he And then he found this group. And the last episode, he, like, went through a psychotic break and stuff. And and he just... I don't know. I, I would have been, like... It's like you're... And we know that he wouldn't have gotten cured. But it, it's still it's still the, the purpose of them going to the CDC... Because of him. Was one, because Rick thought it was the right thing to do, and he wanted to find a cure. And two, was originally because he got bit. They wouldn't have probably mentioned it this episode if they didn't find someone got bit. You know? Mm. And Rick hadn't mentioned it. And I just I just think... I don't know. What do you think? Well, that's, that's a tough... <clears throat> because he wanted to die. Like, you can see the agony. Like, he's breathing. It feels... <laughs> it's, it's funny to make these relations. Like, it feels like he's having COVID right there and there. <laughs> Let's get you to the CC to get you that vaccine, boys. <laughs> no, man, I could have breathed for... I'm like, okay, man, it's your funeral. Uh, yeah. But he gave the whole group a purpose to get there. So I think he was just like, they're going to the CC because of me. But deep down, I think he knew that there was no way to... Keep I don't think he wanted to live anymore. I think he was like, this is it. I- my body's done. My brain's done. I don't know if I'm going to survive the drive there. I don't know if you guys are going to survive the drive if I turn, so... Yeah. And so... Uh, well, I mean, that's an easy solution. Just handcuff him. Uh, or tie him up. But, like, yeah. I, I don't know. I think he I think he gave up too quickly. Um, but that's just my opinion. I have no idea how that, that virus feels. You know, I have no idea, like, how that fever feels. I'm sure it sucks. Oh, yeah. Like, it looked like it sucked. 
he was um, puking blood, I think, yeah, too. Like, yeah. It's, it's like, I, I could say he had a fever or something, so you feel like a heavy fever, and then you feel like all your, in, your internals just failing. Like, you feel, you know you're about to die, and you feel the death very painfully, and then you know you're going to be revived as a cadaver, a walker. I feel like it was the group's responsibility to tell him, no, like, you may think you're sane right now, but you're going through a lot of pain, and I understand you want it to be over, but, like, we got to see this through. I think that was the group's responsibility to say that. And then, when they got there, found out there was no vaccine, found out there was no cure, then they let him die. You know? Mm. I, I think I think it was just a little too soon uh, to let him die. Um, but that that's just my opinion. Mm, but Good point there. Because mm-hmm. that way he... He it was down through. It's like, oh, there's no cure. Okay, let me die in peace. I don't know, because like it's there was still hope for him. Yeah, we know that there's no hope for him, but there were the 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 group mindset was like there's still hope for him. You know, I mean, a lot of them didn't believe that the CDC had a cure, but like it was, I don't know. I just I just think they gave up on him too quickly. He gave up on himself too quickly. Yeah, what if they actually found a cure? It's like shit. We're gonna go to trips. Like, oh no, he walking. He's already dead. He's a walker, dude. It's like, oh damn. <laughs> if only <laughs> yeah. we had. Brought if only him. we had brought him. Yeah. It. I, I don't know. I think they went too soon. But anyway, uh, let's move on to the next topic that I saw in the episode. So, um, we saw a lot of a lot of risks and and hope. Like, and what risks, like weighing risks, and what risks do we take for, for hope? Um, the first thing we saw, we see, uh, and we see throughout the episode is Rick, like, talking to nothing, yeah. to, to Morgan. And I can't remember if Morgan... Said he heard him. I don't think Morgan heard him. Uh, I think for some reason, like, he wasn't able to hear him or whatever in the future. But, like, uh, Rick is, like, hoping that Morgan will hear it and then find him. Um, but I I didn't think about this before. But, like, what if some bad person heard that transmission and they knew exactly where to find Rick? You know? Mm. And I don't think it's that close into the... It's that far into the zombie apocalypse where there would be people with that much ill intent. I think right now they're in survival mode. But, like... Rick was taking a huge risk to help someone that he barely met. Yeah, because the good point there isn't. I mean, you're right. When the zombie apocalypse barely starts, like how, how long was it? Like a month or weeks? Or uh, it was about like a monthish. Okay, then people still have that their morals still intact. Cause like we still live in a society here, even though it's con- ah! mm-hmm. but we still gotta remain hopeful that we'll reconstruct and just be back to normal and follow our rules. Although there's also some bad people already in our society. Which mm-hmm. will thrive in this chaotic society because, like, there's anarchy. You're, what you're gonna do? Yeah. If I shoot you down, are you gonna call the cops? They're probably walkers. They're dead, or they're also gonna join me. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a good point on the risk. And the other risk is, well, he was if, if he was talking to the air. What if there were more walkers coming down? Like, I don't know how loud that walker horde is, but um, just being out there, just I believe it's too risky. Like, I believe the strength should be on a safe to defend position with your crew. And if you're going to go somewhere, have at least somebody else with you, at least. Just mm-hmm. a companion. That way you have a chance for both of you to survive and go back to your group if everything has gone to hell. So Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that, that was just, a, like, a something I noticed. But then uh, we see a lot, like, the, the argument versus guns versus manpower, you know, like, yeah. where, <clears throat> you know. And then Lori, Rick's asking Lori, like, hey, do you think I made the right choice? And Lori's like... I don't know, bro. Uh, I don't think you both are entirely wrong, but I don't think you both are entirely right. You know, and it was all about like, like if if they if they all would have stayed, they ran the risk of that horde still coming, 
and them not having enough firepower to take care of the horde, or because they left, they did risk manpower not being at the camp, and they also risked their own lives to go get the guns and to go get Merle. And so it, it's all about like weighing the risks. And like, I feel like risks have a lot to do with the priorities you are willing to, to like the, the your biggest priorities because like, um, in this case being survival, because you're in a zombie apocalypse, there's a lot of walkers and well, the best case scenario is just to avoid them because guns are loud as hell. Mm-hmm. And not everybody's going to have silent weapons, and silent weapons are really hard to use, especially if they're melee range. Like, if you miss, you're dead. So, Rick taking the risk of taking the guns, he was thinking ahead in the future, because they're not going to stay in that little camp forever. There's literally no. little to no resources, like a, just like a stop. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the, and people were talking about, like, how he's stupid for wanting to go to the CDC. I'm like, that, that sounds pretty smart. I'm not going to lie. Like, you, like, why would you guys stay at this camp when you know it's not safe? Like, you have no protection, you have no walls to keep them out, you, it's not, it's not safe anymore at this camp, why, why the hell would we stay? Yeah. Like, you just got attacked, like, the night before, and you're, like, worried that you guys might get attacked on your way to the CDC? Like, the, it, there's risks involved in everything, and I mean, like, um, an example in my life where risks are involved, like, I, I decided to be, you know, an acting major, yeah. I decided to pursue acting, and, and, you know, a lot of people tell me, they're like, man you're you're gonna have to struggle for money which i have arguments against and i i disagree i think there's a lot of work for actors out there right now but like i i do run that risk of you know not having work for a few or not having the work i want for like months on end you know i do run that risk but the risk of me having a mind-numbing job like a mind-numbing nine-to-five job that i hate and i hate my life is way heftier than me not having as much money because I wasn't an accountant or an engineer, you know? And, and so it's, it's all about your priorities and the risks you're willing to take. And I mean, we see that with, with like choosing family, you know, like that, that one family that was like, yeah. we're gonna, we're gonna freaking go to, yeah. Like we're going to go here. And I'm like, you guys are, I, when I saw that, I was like, you guys are idiots. Like, what makes you think one, that they're alive? That's, that was what I was thinking too. It's like, sure. They may be alive, but, who else is going to be friendlier than this group, you know? Because people are going to scavenge for goods. And again, there's a lot of bad people already. And add to the chaos, you have anarchy. So are you really going to trust another human being that you barely know that hasn't risked his life to save you? Yeah. So. I mean, and it, it looked like all of the protection for that family was on was on Morales. Like he, because not, not saying like the, the, the kids can't protect themselves or the woman can protect the kids. But I mean, like, he was the one that was primarily in that relationship, like, like actually going and fighting walkers, going into the city, you know, and like, and, and he is, he is sacrificing, you know, his, he's sacrificing his and his family's safety to hopefully find more family in a place that he has no idea. And, and, uh, and we also saw that with like, Shane's like, so you're willing to save your marriage over, uh, you're willing to save your marriage over the safety of the group. (laughs) <laughs> and and like people people will take risks for their family over everything else. Oh yeah, that's definitely true. And I I don't know what's the nature of this family, but it looked very Hispanic, and Hispanics have a They're really Hispanic, yeah. okay. They have a really strong sense of connection to family. Cause, yeah, yeah. We'll literally just die. Just well, it's about your like priorities. You yeah, know? it's it's already embedded into us, and and well, I, I can respect the risk, but sometimes you gotta see. 
because if you don't risk you don't win at life like that's a mm -hmm. that's a philosophy of life like if you want something you have to risk a lot of things but the reward is there guaranteed if you continue on you don't know when you're gonna get it that's the also that's the other risk maybe you're not gonna get it mm -hmm. unless you keep fighting or you find other ways because um as you're you say like acting many people say it's not like a lucrative career but like it, it, it is it can be you just mm -hmm. gotta be better and you know just promote yeah. yourself. you have to market yourself like mm -hmm. it sounds weird but yeah that's what good actors do they just market themselves they get better resumes they exactly. go into better you grow up so i respect that grind sack so <laughs> thanks <laughs> no but it's like you know i one thing i learned is that like in this episode is that risks are worth taking for hope like risks the risk that you take for hope like uh, the thing, the thing, the reason why I'm on Rick's side throughout this entire episode is because, like you said, he's looking for the future. He's looking towards the bigger picture, which is Sur not just survival, but like having a society after we find a way to survive this madness. And like, and Shane, he's he's only focused on his freaking like. Rick came and took Lori, who wasn't actually mine. <laughs> uh, Rick came and took Carl, Carl, who wasn't actually mine. You know, and like. And Shane is like, I don't want to move because that's dangerous. And I'm like, bro, you, if you stay there, there's no hope. But if you go and find the CDC and they might have a cure, there is like some hope. And I think hope helps us take risks a lot of the time. And like hope is worth taking risks for. Oh, yeah. Uh, I read an article about some uh, experiment on hope. Some scientists were literally putting like little mice on, on barely on cold water or something, and they were trying to just let him, uh, the mice swim for a bit until they get tired. And they were about to be go, give up in 15 minutes. And after they started to give up, the scientists just put him out, and then they put him back in. They lasted mm -hmm. three hours because they had the hope that they were going to get picked up again. So, yeah, the, yeah, hope is a powerful thing. Yeah, so for sure. You're, you're right in that one. And, it, and I just, I get so mad at people for them getting mad at Rick. And we all do it, like, with leadership, like, we always get mad at leadership. When something goes wrong. When something goes wrong or, like, when something, like, you know, uh, doesn't go our way. But it it is incredibly hard to be a leader because, like, and, like, Daryl, when they weren't being allowed into the CDC at first, Daryl was like, you made a bad call. And then, like, so I think someone mentioned that, like, he made a call and that's that. You know, and, like, he... I don't know. I feel bad for Rick because Rick just wanted hope and he was like yelling at the, he was yelling at Dr. Fauci. That's not his actual name. I just call him that. Uh, he's yelling at Dr. Fauci for not letting him into the building. And he's like, you're killing us. You're killing us. Cause like you saw like the hope, like leave him, you know? And, and yeah, I don't know it. When you're a leader, it's hard to make everyone happy and it's hard to like do things. But like, also if someone doesn't make the calls, who's going to make the calls, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Later holds a group together and if there's no leadership you literally have you're gonna splinter the whole group which if you're gonna splinter a group the chance of survival drop dramatically so yeah yeah a good leader knows that they're about to mess up something and the group's not gonna be happy so how do you make them you know trust you more like well i think we got his best shot here when the doors open finally but that's because he had hope had yeah. he noticed that the doors were locked like oh well we're fucked let's let's find a building or safe because there's gonna be clever uh, walkers anytime soon here yeah but the moment he saw that camera move it's like he's like no, no they're, in there. They're, they're, in there. <laughs> they're in there yeah and they're like you imagine it. he's like i did not imagine it <laughs> uh yeah yeah it's like well it's sure. something gonna it's automated you know they have gears and like, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah um 
so I, I did, so you brought this up and I did want to bring up like Shane pointing the gun at Rick. Uh, cause yeah. that, that I, I, I couldn't find a moral dilemma to talk about, but that moment was just like, it's one of the best in that entire episode because he, he's, cause well, Rick technically like gaslights Shane a little bit. Cause like Rick is like, Shane's expressing his feelings and Rick says something like, well, maybe you would feel differently if, if you had a family and then Shane, and then Shane was expressing his feelings about that. He's like, I took care of your family. Like, what did you just say to me? And then Rick basically just like, Oh no, you misinterpreted that. And then, and then, you know, they hear a noise and then Shane, Shane sees the opportunity to shoot Rick and he stops himself, and then he looks, and Dale's there, and he's, he's like, like Jesus. He's <laughs> <It's laughs> like, yeah. uh, uh, with better like, reflective character or something, it's like, yeah, um, mind if you don't do that again? <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was, ah, uh, that's just, just such a good moment. Because, yeah. like, I I said before that I think Lori was the catalyst to starting Shane Spiral, but it was also Rick, sort of, without Rick realizing it, that, like, because Shane goes crazy eventually. Oh. Like he goes, he goes basically insane, and like Rick, he he did not validate Shane's emotions, and I mean, he did say that he he was happy that Shane took care of, you know, uh, his family, but I mean, you know, I I think it's it's very easy for us to to you know disenfranchise someone because they're not in the exact same spot that we're in, yeah. you know, like it's very easy to be like, well, you don't have the same experience as me, so how could you know? You know, I, I get that all the time when, like, uh, I disagree with parenting methods. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and but, you know, parents hate that when you disagree with their parenting methods when you're not a parent, yes. you know? And it's <laughs> like, well, just because I'm not a parent doesn't mean that I can't disagree with what you're saying. Because you know? some methods are outdated, so mm-hmm. now there's newer methods that are more effective without, like, you know, damaging your child in the future, which... That's that's like that's the thing a lot of parents or well a lot of old parents don't get that sure you're gonna hit your child because mis- misbehaving now and it's gonna calm them now but the damage stays there and mm-hmm. it's gonna grow into yeah. adulthood and you create monster adults yeah because you mistreat that child and that's that's a critical part always treat your kids with respect and if you're getting annoyed at them talk to them civilized and do yeah. actions because kids respond to actions like oh I'm gonna ground you it's like no you're not and you ground them and they're gonna learn from that like. <laughs> yeah, well, like, I mean, I've seen study after study of just, you know, if you if you talk to your kids like they're they're human instead of treating them like they're inferior, they they are more respectful and they are kinder and they, you know, because you're you're treating them like a human being. But it's it just because someone, you know, obviously, if you have experience in it and like, let's say uh, if if you have experience in something like you do have, uh, you know, knowledge in that and you have experience in it. But if you have experience in something and you're doing it poorly, that's not really good experience. You know, that's like, bad like if, if I, I have a lot of experience in math. I mean, I went to the Academy for math, engineering and science, oh, but just because I have experience in math doesn't mean I'm good at math. You know, I suck at math. (laughs) I can relate all the time. (laughs) Like just because, just because, you know, like I, yeah, I, that doesn't mean I'm an expert in math. It just means I have experience in it. A lot of the times, like, you know, experience, generally speaking, will make you better uh, if if you choose to be better. Yeah. Yeah. Like 
I never chose to be good at math because I hated math, so I never got better at it. Um, Which is a contrary to me because I need math to get into my major. So I'm, yeah. I'm starting to get better at it. But the most important thing is I'm learning from my mistakes. Yeah. Because I'm not perfect. I always mess up my negatives and my negatives, which become positive, or I forget to correct my negatives. Yeah. It always happens, but I know I'm making a mistake. And um, that's, you know, positive reinforcement to always look for your mistakes. And it's okay to make mistakes. Yes. Yeah. Those are the best teachers you'll ever have. Okay? Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. And yeah, it's just. Just because you have experience in it doesn't mean that you're good at it. You get better at it by realizing you make mistakes. Yeah. And by changing the mistakes that you make. Like, I know some I know some actors right now that they they they're they're technically in the same level as everyone else in in my program, but some of them have a harder time taking notes and taking criticism and Ooh, realizing their okay. mistakes and and you know they they may have the same experiences or similar experience to to people that are in the same program but it if, but if they don't change their mistakes and they don't change their flaws in it they're gonna be a bad that experience means nothing same thing with like parenting same thing with anything you do you can have so much experience in it but if you're garbage at it and you don't fix it they're gonna be garbage. You're gonna be still be garbage at it, you know. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, Shane had an opinion about how things were supposed to be run, um, and how things were supposed to go, and it wasn't validating for Rick to to tell him it's because he doesn't have a family, so he doesn't understand. But Shane was taking care of Rick's family, and so he kind of he he kind of knew how to take care of a family, and he had a wife before or a girlfriend or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, before. And so he knew how to take care of a family. But basically, just because you have experience in something doesn't mean that you're good at it. And just because you have less experience in something, but you have opinions on it and you've looked at it critically, doesn't mean that you can't have an opinion on that. You always look at everything with an objective point of view. Because, mm-hmm. um, well, you're, I believe you're, I don't know about my acting skills. I haven't been doing theater in a while, but I know you have way more experience than I do. But I, I know how to act and I know how to perform and I can give you uh, opinions of what you do. But yeah, because you, everyone has opinions. Yeah, but because you understand that I'm not doing this to criticize you. You understand that I'm doing this to make you better. Well, yeah, and like I, I don't take every opinion to heart. Like if I did, then that would be awful. It's like, but oh, like, there you sold my deck. Yeah, yeah, no, like, <laughs> but it's, if those same opinions keep coming up, maybe it's time to reevaluate. If people Change. tell you, hey, maybe don't yell at your kids. Maybe it's time to reevaluate. Yeah. You know, and and if if people say, "Hey, you don't really understand what it's like to have a family because of what you've told me and what you've said," maybe it's time to reevaluate. But it, it, like one opinion isn't like a fact. But if multiple opinions keep happening and keep coming up in your life, There's... then it's sort of like okay. Or if an expert and a known expert tells you something, then it's like okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like you know, and it's, right it's time to change, you know, and it's your responsibility to change or you are going to continue to not grow in that. So, uh, yeah, we will come back to you guys with a quick musical break and we will be right back with a moral dilemma. back uh welcome back so here's your moral dilemma kevin okay all right so uh you are co-workers with someone whose spouse died okay yeah. right and uh their spouse died 
and uh, it's been about a year since their spouse died. Um, actually, no. Let's say let's say you're a boss. You're a boss to a uh, to someone that you're over whose spouse has died, and their spouse died over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been about a year, and um, they are continuing to not perform as well. They are continuing to come late to work, leave early, uh, sleep. You know, not do the not not get deadlines on time. Um, what do you do in that situation? I mean, they, they did suffer the loss of a very dear loved one. Yeah. But it's also been a year. So what do you do? Oh, man. Well, as we said earlier, like, people grieve differently. And if you let them grieve unhealthily by themselves, then we, we got to step up a bit and just, like, let them... The boss knows, like, hey, I understand you're still grieving. And I I don't have a spouse or a girlfriend, for that matter. I used to. Uh-huh. But uh, anyways, I'm not saying. But... <laughs> But I understand the feeling of losing said person. Mm-hmm. You're not alone. Like we want to help you out, but for us to help you out, you have to help yourself out. At least, at least enough for us. At least for for the workplace to be functioning correctly. Like let us do some of your stuff. Like I don't know. Like at soup as we our managers, they just count the wine greens. We need to prep or whatnot. So let us do that for you for a little bit. Just focus on like. Uh, doing something easier first, but we need a leader there ahead, like somebody straight, because if you're not straight with us, our other leaders are not going to be straight because they're going to carry your weight, which they have done for a whole year. Mm-hmm. And the the actual district managers, the, the ones that are above the actual store managers, they are going to see that. And we don't want you to get fired because we love you. Mm. But you need to pull your weight just a little bit, just for us. Like, we are going to grieve with you but also help us uh, out. I don't know. It's weird because like, I feel empathy too. But there gets to a point where, like, okay, it's not, it's not working out. We have to step in. And yeah. I think a year is. Well, you lost your spouse. I don't know how to feel about that, but it, it feels like uh, a punch in the gut. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so basically, what you're saying is that uh, you know, talk to them, find out where they're coming from, and then figuring out like a plan to to help them get better. Yeah. Okay. And okay. Cool. Help them uh, do some of their stuff, the whatever stuff they have. Well, I don't know what responsibilities they have, but like just a little bit, like just just so they don't feel, um, y- well, uh, <laughs> not useless, but like they don't feel. So figure out a plan to help them yeah. until they can until they can get to a point. Uh, but they they would have to be able to get to that point. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. They by can themselves. Do them stuff by themselves. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, thanks for answering that question, and thank you, listeners, for listening. Uh, you can let us know what you think about this moral dilemma or about the whole episode if you want uh, on our Instagram and our Twitter. Instagram is feed don't eat your brain with underscores in between each word at uh, on Instagram, and then on Twitter it is at Zachy the Zombie. Uh, you can also email with any comments, questions, concerns, suggestions at feed don't eat your brain at gmail.com. And then uh, please like, subscribe, and share this this podcast. That will help us a lot, as well as my production company. We are coming out with a lot of new stuff at the tail end of this year. After Ooh, a exciting. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, one, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug in my short film for a little bit. So, uh, middle of September, middle of this month, I will be releasing Artificial Love. So go ahead and check that out. Um, and you can look up Fortune Horseman, where that will be posted on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube, where we post the videos. Uh, and yeah, uh, take care of yourselves. Do you have anything you would like to say? Anything they, you want them to follow you on or something? 
Oh dear. Um, <laughs> I mean, I only post some sad boy stuff on Twitter sometimes. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Sometimes lyrics from sad songs. My personal Twitter is very edgy as well. Uh, and also by it has to be. My handle tag is so complicated too. Um, you don't have to if you don't want to. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, don't follow Kevin on anything. Uh, if you do, in burst psychology, by the way, you're gonna follow. You'll be sad. <laughs> You'll be sad. You'll too. be sad. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good night, day, evening, whatever time you're listening to this. Please stay safe. Stay healthy. Have fun. Goodbye.